What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Strength Training for Cyclists podcast by Dialed Health. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and head coach here at dialedhealth.com. And let me tell you, today is one heck of a fun episode because we are discussing rapid fire topics in an overrated, underrated fashion. Now, I got this idea from someone I followed on Instagram where basically someone sent him in the topic and he simply said overrated or underrated. And I, I loved watching it. I thought it was a great idea. Did the same thing on my story and people really enjoyed it. Now, the problem with doing it on Instagram stories is that you really only get 15 seconds to talk or that's the way I chose to do it. But a lot of these deserve much longer of a rant than that. And that's what I'm going to give you today. So if you wanted to go back and see these specifically on my Instagram, you can see it saved under my highlights. But today is going to give you a better version anyways. Now, that's going to be the main bulk and chunk of the episode because we have a ton of topics, super random, but all under the umbrella of health, fitness, and cycling. I can't wait to get into it. Now, once that is discussed, we're going to talk about longevity in cycling. This is something that came to mind this weekend on a ride, and I really want to talk about it because I think it's going to help you stay consistent day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, just for the long run and keep cycling fresh and fun. And it's something that I don't think is discussed enough. I don't really hear a lot of people talk about what I'm going to tell you. So I'm looking forward to that. And I really hope it inspires you to really find more with your own riding. And so once we discuss that, we're going to go into a personal update where we talk about honestly, a lot of random stuff. We're going to go over uh, my son's surgery, a little update for you there. The races I entered this year, this ride I'm talking about, we're going to talk about the vlog, uh, the X Games Real MTV, all sorts of fun stuff. But before we even get into that, I have some huge announcements for dialedhealth.com. So big, we couldn't wait to the end of the episode. You ready for this? May 1st, we are launching the Olympic lifting program. It is finally happening. It's basically, I don't want to say a month delayed and just call myself out, but some other things took priority. And this is a program we've been sitting on and just can't wait to get out because it's a really big deal for dialed health for a couple of reasons. For one, it's the first time we brought another trainer onto the platform. And for two, it's a kind of a different side of training that you don't see on the platform. Now we do use, and I think this is kind of a misconception of dialed health right now is that we don't have heavy lifts on the website and that's just not true, but we've been going so hard on the at home stuff in a response to COVID that it may seem like that. Now I have had a lot of people request more barbell work. And the truth is, although I am familiar with the barbell for traditional movements, I'm really, I would not call myself an expert on Olympic lifting <laughs> at all. I don't ever really do it. I have done it in the past. I've learned it. I immersed myself in CrossFit and tried to learn that world at one point and even just really got into watching Olympic lifting. And, I, and I've done that in phases with powerlifting and bodybuilding and all that stuff but I knew I wasn't comfortable in delivering it the way that it should be. So we were really lucky to find, meet, and partner with Katie Alton of Pursuit Strong. Funny enough, I met her at a specialized demo day as we were testing the new stump jumpers, realized she was a strength coach, we started talking, and that she has a real expertise in Olympic lifting. Now, the thing that was so important for us on this is that we implemented it to you in a way that helps your riding, number one. That's like the biggest thing is that you have to, you ha it has to help and support your riding and your general health and fitness. Like, because you can go so far into these worlds of these specialty lifts, especially like Olympic lifting. And it's, it's the reason I've kind of shied away from it in the past is that it takes some time to learn, but man, it's super fun. People love it. People want to spend more time with the barbell in their hands. And that's what this program delivers. And so I thought, okay, 
if we can do it in a way that makes sense under my programming mythology and collaborate on it then i think it's a major win and let me tell you we freaking nailed it it is such a sick program and the coolest part about it is that you're going to see videos uh, coaching movements for myself but mostly from katie also so that's going to be really huge we're going to have her on the episode next week and just discuss the program and not we're not going to be boring and just get into the weeds of it i just want to talk about what it is and like what you can expect with it and why things are done a certain way and really you know why you know what she loves about olympic lifting and maybe some tips that she can give you approaching the program so if you are interested in that it's going to be a sick episode and uh, i just can't wait to have that on the website man it's just it's making it so much more well-rounded and this is a side tangent i'm gonna grab a sip of water we're in the intro and i'm already grabbing some water the side tangent is that i found myself becoming a little bit narrow-minded in regards to my own programming especially around all the the COVID stuff and and finding like you know lighter weight equipment like stuff that you can use at home one piece of equipment all this which don't get me wrong it's incredible it, all this stuff is incredible it's almost like a pick your poison thing but i realize just because i'm not drawn to something doesn't mean that my customer isn't aka you guys aka new people interested in dialed health and even though I, like I'll be honest, I may never do the Olympic lifting program because I'm so into kettlebells and deep in that world. And that's actually something I want to push more, especially as we bring more of these experts in. Like I don't have a need to be as far into it because I can let them do their thing. And then that way you guys get the best of everybody. So that's kind of the thought process behind that. But I was like, I can't let myself only give you guys what I want to do. Long story short, that's, that's what I was really trying to say. So um, I'm excited about that breakthrough mentally because I still talk to other trainers who, you know, like I'll, I'll just be honest, I've had people question a lot of the flow stuff that I do. And I'm like, I try and break it down and tell them exactly why people really want it and why they're loving it. And because of certain boundaries and they've placed on their own training and mythology, they just can't get past it. And honestly, it's, it's an advantage for me. And we're gonna be cashing in on it because there's a lot more to come. Trust me on that. Now, the next big announcement is the dh vert challenge this is happening in the last week of september if you go to my instagram today at noon i'll be announcing it and th these are not all the details for it but it's basically getting it out in the world so that you have time to prepare because in the last week of september you're gonna have the ability to do one ride or hopefully you will <laughs> i'm giving you a full week to get this done so i'll be doing mine on september 25th but within that last week of September, you have to do a ride that PRs your vertical ascent. So the most climbing you have ever done in a ride, this could be on a mountain bike, this could be on a road bike, this could be on whatever kind of bike you wanna do. If you wanna do it on a tricycle, more power to you. <laughs> I just wanna make sure that you do more ascending and obviously probably descending too than you have ever done in one single ride. And I want it to be a push. Now, Everyone in the world can get involved with this because we're going to be using the hashtag DHVert challenge. We have a Strava group already set up for it. And we're going to be, again, getting that the details of this, of how to sign up and get involved. Probably, I don't know, it could be even a month out. But the whole idea is that you really push yourself and we kind of find our limits together because let me just tell you what I'm going to do. So my challenge is going to be on private property, custom built track. It's gonna be so sick. This is where the TDS Enduro happens. And we're gonna basically build this loop that allows me to hit some features in the proper downhill, but also have the 
I guess, percentages on the climb that make sense for me to get this done within a day. And originally I was gonna have it be a sun up to sundown thing, but I realized I'm probably gonna need the whole day. I'm not going for a, um, I'm not going for a record or anything, but I am gonna be Everesting. Now, let me give you an idea of the scope of like <laughs> how big of a deal this is for me or like how far outside of my comfort zone this is. The biggest vert ride I've ever done up to this point is 11,000 feet. Everesting is over 29,000 feet. It's like just over 29,000. So it's a huge push. But since I've done the, that one, the uh, 11,000 foot day, it's been like five years. I'm in like a whole different world of fitness. That was like before I was even road riding. And so when I go out, I've done a few like 8,000 foot days recently. It's, I'm not going to say it's not hard but it's, it's really not like a push where I ever get to a place mentally that is difficult to overcome. Now, 20,000 feet, I'll be honest, I know I could do it. And there would be things I've experienced with my body that I've probably never felt before, but I know I can do it. Like it would be a push. Don't like assume, don't think that I'm trying to make this sound like it'd be easy. I know it would not be easy, but I really, really know I can do it. 29,000 though, you guys, I'm gonna be honest, like I do believe I could do it, but it's like right on the edge, man. <laughs> it is right on the edge. And I want you to share that feeling with me. Even if you know physically you can do it, I want you to question yourself mentally. And we have some ideas of how we can capture these moments and, and do entries and turn it into a contest, uh, which I'm really, really excited about. But I won't break that down yet until we know, uh, until we have clarity on the details for you. So. All I want to say is prepare yourself for the DH Vert Challenge at the end of September and start planning the biggest vertical ascent ride that you have ever done. Last thing I'll say on it, of course, I want to help you train for this. So just like the Dialed Health Shred, we're going to package up a training schedule that is going to help you prepare. It's not going to be like a DH Vert Challenge training program. Uh, that you would you know, upload to your calendar. It's more like, hey, here is exactly the steps that you should follow to be prepared for this event. So that is kind of like the Dialed Health Shred if you did that and saw how it was set up. So keep that in mind. I am so pumped for it. We're talking all things underrated or overrated. I'm looking forward to this. So the first topic is fasted sessions. You guys, in my opinion, fasted sessions are overrated. I'm not saying that training fasted doesn't yield results because it does there are proven weight loss benefits from doing fasted sessions but don't get hung up on that because for one i don't think it's the ideal way to lose weight and most people that implement them just tend to have kind of bad training sessions because you have to be so strategic about how you implement a fasted session now i'm not going to go into like all the science behind it or go super deep dive into it but what's interesting right now is that i'm literally reading about it in the endurance diet book that i've been reading all year at this point and they talk about basically what a fasted session is, is like you almost missing a meal and then going training. So if you went to bed, you slept overnight, you wake up, no breakfast, maybe some black coffee, and then you go out on a ride. And so when you do that, obviously you're not going to be able to perform the way you normally do. And it's going to break down your body more. Like they're proven to, to bring more inflammation into your body. 
And it's most likely because your body doesn't have the nutrition to replenish it throughout. Now you can drink as much as you want, but they're just hard on your body, even at a low intensity. So you want to go in with a very low bar, <laughs> a very low expectation of your performance and just see how you feel. And then over time, they have in the book, actually, they have examples of athletes who progressively increase their duration or their intensity, but you would want to do it slowly and maybe only one to two sessions per week. But again, I don't think it's worth messing because here's why. For one, when you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to be losing fat anyways. And when you don't have the work, the calories surrounding your workout, you won't be able to perform as high, but also you just don't feel good. <laughs> and it sucks. You guys, a lot of us are working out for far more things than just performance. And I think that the lack of intensity is not really worth it. And I'm going to be honest, if you are training uh, very consistently, you're just going to end up doing not a fasted session, but you're going to have a session where you underfuel and you're going to feel it and you're going to have to fight through it anyways. And it, it's not the same thing. It really isn't. But I don't know. I've been doing it long enough to know that as prepared as you are most of the time, there's just going to be an instance where you, you didn't bring enough food, you didn't bring enough water, and you have to kind of push through that. And in my opinion, I, I think that's enough. But I haven't fully dove into this world. Uh, but I would just say, you know, build a crazy level of base fitness and then experiment with one a week. I wouldn't introduce it into your program uh, outside of your base training or, you know, in a period of training where you're ramping up your intensity. Like this is definitely an off-season thing to experiment with uh, because again, the benefits, I just don't think they outweigh the negatives of just having a poor session, feeling bad and having more wear and tear on your body. I, I don't know. It, I think it's overrated. You, you have to be very strategic, do your research and have like, you need to have a real, give me a good real reason to do it. Besides you think it's just going to help you lose weight because trust me, it's not going to lose weight better than just being in a calorie deficit and tracking your food. And that is, you think tracking your food's bad. Go out for a ride bonked for two hours. <laughs> that sucks way worse. Anyways, next topic. Dried mangoes are the best. Uh, overrated. <laughs> I think uh, Matt Poole sent this in. Shout out to Matt Poole, who just started roasting his own coffee. This is a Dialed Fam member. Uh, I remember he sent this in, and I just had to say it's overrated because dates are the best. You guys, dates are the ultimate natural ride food, in my opinion. Make sure they're pitted because if you bite into one of those things, you're going to be missing a couple teeth. I check my dates now because even when you do buy the pitted ones, there will be an occasional pit in there and they are freaking, they're like gold. <laughs> I was talking to someone riding this weekend. He used the example as a, a prunes pit, pits, <laughs> prunes pits, try and say that five times, being like as hard as gold. And that is literally how they are. They will straight up like, oh, shatter your brain. So, um, be careful with those. But I recommend dates over mangoes, but man, they're also freaking good. Uh, dried fruit is amazing. It's a nice, I am not against gels and gummies and all the chews. My stomach actually does pretty well with them, but having those foods on hand has been great. Like I've been bringing two to 300 calories of dates on most rides. And after I hit a gel and I'm not just trying to do a plug, but a PNG gel because the PNGs sit so well with my stomach, use code DIALFAM30 to save 30% off your next order. PNG supplements, Pinnacle Nutrition Group. Um, dude, their stuff is really good. I always start with electrolytes that have like 20 calories in the, uh, in the electrolytes, but and of course, I add some salt to it because, you know, we need that sodium. But my next move has been going to dates. And again, it's because they're almost like that same consistency of a gummy or a chew. And I like progressively getting denser and denser foods as my rides go. That tends to be like the best formula for me. 
And uh, it's just like, it just sits so good in your stomach. They're so packed with sugar. They're easy to eat. They're a little bit sticky, but not any worse than a gummy. So I recommend dates. Go try those things out. Or really any dried fruit. Pick a dried fruit. Just weigh it and understand how many calories it is when you put it in your pack so you know like what you're grabbing. Like at least if you just throw, let's just say 300 calories worth of, um, of dried fruit, excuse me, yeah, worth of dried fruit in a little baggie, uh, then, you know, you eat half of it, you know, you ate like 150 calories. You can keep a loose track of it too, which is pretty cool. Also, kind of a random shout out, but this bag company, Stasher Bag, makes these little reusable bags that have been really nice uh, to, to bring your fruit and stuff like that or your homemade ride food on rides. Now, I do get that, especially on big rides, when you have a food that you bring in a like if you use a, a plastic sandwich bag, it's kind of nice because once you eat it, you can just throw that bag away. And there, of course, are envir environmental reasons that you probably want the reusable bag. I'll be honest, my real reason was just because when you grab the bag, <laughs> this sounds bad. You guys don't cancel me for that one. It's just the truth. Like, I'm not saying it's not a double bonus or win. I'm just, I've never really, I, I don't know. I, I, I got this bag because, <laughs> so funny, because I saw Alex Wild have it. And, and I was like, that looks really nice because the one thing you have when you have those little baggies is like, you're always fumbling with them. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're riding and you're not stopping and you're trying to get something like a gummy bear out of this plastic bag and it's all wrapped in it and around it and you're trying to like stick your mouth in the bag to get it, it's just a cluster. And these bags don't do that. They're like firm so you can crack it open and you can kind of hold, like squeeze it open and then just dump it into your hand or you could pull it out. It's really nice. So that's Stasher bag. S-T-A-C-H-E-R. I don't have an affiliation with them, but they've been really helpful. So just grabbing a couple of those things. Um, anyways, let's talk about deadlifts. I'm taking a sip of water. You guys, deadlifts are always going to be underrated. You can't, you can't tell me there's bad stuff about deadlifts. I mean, you got to be careful with back history. If you have back injury history with deadlifts, you have to be really careful to make sure your, your alignment's correct. Basically, the whole idea of a deadlift is a hip hinge. So keeping a neutral spine, which doesn't mean perfectly flat back. It means that you almost have like these slight curvatures to your spines. So like lordosis and kyphosis and all these uh, terms. But basically, you want a neutral spine that is solid. And when you hinge forward at your hip, that doesn't move. And from there, if you have a brace core and you're squeezing your butt, you're probably doing a really effective deadlift, keeping that bar super close to you. The hip hinge pattern for every cyclist, whether you're riding road or whether you're riding downhill, is it's mandatory to learn. And one thing you can do to learn it is that wall hip hinge. I actually posted an Instagram post about this, um, just about hip hinging. Um, if you go to my post, you'll see me literally hitting a drop off and the bike is edited out of the photo. And it looks like I'm just like falling off this thing. And then it goes into the wall hip hinge drill, where it's basically you get as far away from a wall as you can and still be able to reach your butt back and tap it. So, so let's just say I started with my heels, like I'm facing away from the wall, my heels are like six inches away from it, I reach my butt back, bend my knees slightly, allow myself to hinge forward and I tap my butt on the wall, you just go as far away from the wall as you can. Once you get to the point where you're almost like rocking back off your heels and falling into the wall, but you can just barely control it, that's where you wanna do your reps at and it's gonna fire up your glutes, fire up your hamstrings and require you to hip hinge properly. Because one thing that's crazy is in the years of training people, I've noticed that people can be in the perfect position, but not activate the correct muscles. And I've watched people do what looks like a perfect deadlift, but because they don't know how to brace their core, which means like bringing in some air, pushing out and creating inner abdominal pressure, 
because they don't know how to do that or they're not squeezing their glutes and they are initiating the pull with their back, they, they don't feel good or they have problems from doing the deadlift when visually you're like, oh my gosh, like this should be perfect. So that is kind of something to keep in mind. But yeah, deadlifts are always be underrated. All the variations, there's so many good ways to do them. Implementing a deadlift is like freaking mandatory for every, almost everybody. <laughs> almost everybody. Doesn't mean it has to be a heavy barbell deadlift, by the way. It could literally be that wall hip hinge drill and that could be it. Anyways, suspension setup. Now, on the Instagram thing, I said this is overrated, and I got a little like backlash from that. What I'm really saying here, because I do think suspension setup's overrated, only because I think the amount people obsess over it is. And I've never been like a full-on bike nerd, bike geek guy to that extent, because I've always been like a run what you brung guy. Like if I'm not sponsored by you, if I can't run your product, then I don't really do a lot of research in you. Now, over the years, as I've gotten more, I've gotten a little bit more into it, and I like to know what's out there, the options, why people do what they do. But I've also realized that when you get a new bike now, if you just put everything in the middle setting <laughs> and run it, and you're, let's just say you're not an advanced rider, it's, it's going to feel good. It really is. Uh, even my latest stump jumper that I got, I literally got everything, put it in the middle setting, did like two rides before I started turning knobs. And one thing you can do, and this is one thing I learned when I did testing with Fox back in the day for downhill racing, is doing runs with the, the, the settings turned all the way on or off. And if you're unfamiliar with what something does, that's a really good way to like learn how to do it or learn what each, I guess, knob does. High speed compression, low speed compression. And even till recently, like I have questions about these and I forget, you know, what one thing does from time to time. So, I mean, it is good to learn and understand that stuff, but I just think the bikes are so good now. Stock, like, you know, full on standard factory settings and it's, it's gonna feel pretty good. So if you wanna obsess about your setup, and learn about that stuff i think it's really cool and it's fun but don't ever let it stop you from like enjoying your ride and don't put so much blame on your bike that you're actually not putting the blame on your own body and your own riding technique because that's something i think that maybe needs a little bit more attention it could now next one sleep <laughs> i mean what a what a sore subject right now um that's underrated i would have told you three years ago when i opened the dialed health studio that sleep was overrated because I was in such a crazy hustle grind mode. Uh, this was before my first son was born. And eat, so one thing I've talked about a little bit on the pod, but coming into my son being born, I was so sleep deprived for like almost two years because my schedule was so messed up that when he was born, there was almost no difference in how I felt, honestly. Uh, it was only until the coronavirus where I started not doing 5 a.m. sessions, not being in the gym until, you know, 8 p.m., 9 p.m., turning around and, and being back in, you know, first thing in the morning, like 5 a.m. Like, I was doing that every single day, split, set, uh, split training hours. Like, it was crazy. And I was just doing everything I could, grabbing every little session, even if someone was like, I can come in at 8.30. Like, I would do it, knowing it full well I had to be up at 4 a.m. the next day over and over and over again just to help build the business uh, which worked and I don't regret it but man I was crazy sleep deprived and then I came into auto being born and then right about the time auto started sleeping coronavirus happened and then uh, and then I was able to like sleep till six it was crazy and then I got to a point where I was like okay I, I'm not a sleep in guy <laughs> it's not my style I got stuff to do 
so but even me getting seven hours of sleep consistently was such a game changer and this was also the time i really picked up my riding volume and what's crazy is when i had started trainer road last february which was adding another day of riding and obviously just another level of like uh i want to say like it'd be volume on the legs for sure but just general intensity of the pedaling motion like you know I wasn't doing really proper base rides up until that. And so it it changed a lot of things and I was getting knee pain and I was trying all these different recovery modalities. And it wasn't until I got my sleep right that the knee pain went away. It was crazy. But after it was like a few weeks of sleeping seven hours a night, and that's only seven hours guys, honestly, it's not that crazy. And I should, I, I would naturally sleep more. But, you know, I'm trying to be, like, realistic here. I got, I got stuff going on. So, <laughs> so seven hours was my limit. It made a huge difference. And, yeah, for that, like, I will always think sleep is underrated for that reason. And now since the twins have been born, you guys, oh, my gosh, it's been three months of waking up every three hours. I kid you not. Because the thing is, like, if one of them sleeps well one night, the other one won't. And they're in side-by-side bassinets. They have to both be in our room. They're just so, they'll wake up screaming. They wake each other up. And that's like the real problem. Cause I have people say, oh, you know, are they like in sync and this and that? And I'm like, well, sometimes, but also they won't be. And that's when it really kind of screws you. And even when they're in sync, you have to remember, this is kind of a side rant, but you have to remember that when they're screaming and freaking out, they're both doing it at the same time. <laughs> so remember like that, <laughs> cause that's the reality of it too. You get moments of peace but you get moments of insanity that, you know, come along with it. So it's uh, kind of interesting. But what's crazy is as I record this podcast last night, after almost no improvement in sleep these first few months, they slept the whole night. I kid you not. It was, I woke up at 3 a.m. and I panicked and I looked at my wife and I was like, did you feed the babies? Like, <laughs> like what, like what happened? Did I miss it? Did you just wake up and handle it? She's like, no. And basically they woke up a few times and she put their passy back in and uh they went back to bed and then i did it one more time earlier in the morning and then woke up dude it wasn't until like 6 30 those kids woke up it was wild uh, but even when i got up around like five i was amazed i was like oh, i can't believe these kids are still sleeping it is a christmas miracle it gave me so much hope you guys oh i can't even tell you so i don't expect it to happen again tonight or you know every day moving forward but there's hope it's gonna happen eventually oh i can't wait for that i can't wait to get my sleep back okay another sip of water Now let's talk about being vegan. Okay, this is overrated. And I have vegan friends, so I wanna be careful how I answer this because I think that people really do thrive. Some people thrive off a vegan diet, but I think what's overrated is the idea that just being vegan makes you healthy. And that is so far from the case, like so far from the truth. Being vegan just doesn't mean that you're healthy. And that's like, it's almost like when someone says they're keto and there's like almost this elitist mentality behind it it's really frustrating because (laughs) when someone orders a goopy glop of uh you know keto chipotle which is just like sour cream steak guacamole cheese it's just like dude (laughs) come on now (laughs) like let's just eat a balanced diet like it's crazy to think that you could just follow this like, like diet and all of a sudden be thought of as healthy or have this like superior health because that is just not the truth and being vegan is no different. In fact, I know that there are a lot of people that are vegan that their health is not thriving because of it. You know, I know vegans that live off of boxed cookies. And so it's just get that idea out of your head that being vegan means you're healthy. I think if you have that idea out of your head, you'll understand that a lot of vegans do it for, you know, 
like moral and ethical reasons a lot of them do it because they do feel better uh long term you know i've known a lot of vegans who go vegan or even like raw vegan which is like a whole another level and they feel really good for a couple years and then they start feeling bad and that's one of those like nutrient deficiencies start coming in it's like over like years of not having maybe enough iron for example through red meat or something and again i'm not saying that this is every vegan's case but i have i have witnessed this i literally mentored a trainer at one of my gyms that went through this uh was vegan went raw vegan was like that for like five to seven years i think and then literally just like when, when i was training her she had like dark circles under her eyes she did not look healthy and she was eating just raw veggies and all this stuff right but it was, there was something obviously wrong and it was crazy because she has a huge instagram account now she, just like totally different person <laughs> and i'm not going to accredit to her uh, starting to you know eat meats and everything again but it brought back the nutrition she needed and she started putting on muscle she just felt like so empowered honestly and uh, yeah it was a huge find but it was also weird and it, it, this is a funny thing too so kind of random but tony horton has a story this is the p90x guy it was like my first initial training inspo he um <laughs> he said that he was he was vegan for like 15 years and then he was living with a girlfriend and i'm, I'm getting some of these details wrong i know he was vegan for a significantly long time like it was like 10 15 years or something like that literally is in a house where his girlfriend cooks this bison steak or something and he said the smell was so insane that he got this like animalistic uh feeling that just he he almost said he couldn't control it he walked over and had a huge bite of it and he's like that was the best i have felt like i ate the whole thing and it was the best i felt in like the 15 years or whatever so from that point forward he wasn't uh vegan anymore which is it's like crazy to hear about that kind of stuff uh, but then again, you hear about people who have completely changed their health around from going vegan. And the truth is, too, like it, even when cut, people just cut out red meats, in my opinion, it's because of a lot of the foods that come along with red meats. Like you have to think about it. Those people are no longer getting linguisa and pepperoni on their pizza. You know, even if they're still eating pizza, like that's a huge change or they're not eating burgers like they used to. Like major pieces of their unhealthy diet get changed that have a much more to do with just the meat. And that's one thing I've just kind of noticed. Um, but yeah, so keeping in mind, I'm, I'm definitely not picking on vegans. Um, I think there's people all around the world eating all sorts of different stuff. And I'm not just trying to like protect myself or sugarcoat. I, I really know it to be true. It's like people are so different that uh, it would make sense to me that people would thrive on different diets. But I don't think that most people would thrive eating vegan. And I certainly know that most vegans aren't healthy. It's overrated. Next point. Uh, well, next question, but this is also a point. Birthday cake Oreos. <laughs> underrated. Every Oreo is underrated. Oreos are the best cookie. It's sto- Well, I don't want to... Are they better than the best homemade cookie? No, but they're probably better than most. <laughs> they're definitely better than most. I am constantly amazed at how good those are. In fact, like recently, we kept a couple different flavors of Oreos in my house and i was like oh i have like a couple a day or whatever but dude even a couple a day i just start getting fluffy again and i just can't do it i just it's it's too much for me to handle it's too much torment that is like my ultimate like food i have to stay away from that i really have a hard time controlling myself and i can't have a few bites but like doing it is almost torment you know if i put it away after having one oreo it's it's torture it's actual torture they're so freaking good but they're also just so you know Oreos are vegan 
And so that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, and it goes against something. I, I didn't fully own this on the um, perfect cycling diet episode, but I brought up the fact that no one food is, should be considered unhealthy. And I, I really think it makes a lot of sense. It's like, you have to look at the total intake of your diet and also understand the, the mental side of food and the real stress and enjoyment that comes out of healthy or unhealthy foods or, or foods that are considered that. So uh, birthday cake Oreos though, underrated. Now, this, ne- this next one's awesome. Gym arm workouts so you can pull on your bars harder when you can just ride more. <laughs> what a loaded question. That's overrated. This person's basically saying, why would you do gym arm workouts when you could just ride more and get stronger arms? Oh man, where do I, where do I even start on this one? The, the just ride more mentality is the most overrated, dogmatic view that a cyclist could have. It, and it's, it's just so naive at this point. Um, and maybe I'm just like so in my own world in that it's not even a question or whether or not strength training is, is important for you. But the truth is you cannot work. You can't have a well-rounded workout on a bike. <laughs> you just can't do it. The more you ride, the further compensations you're going to build. And over time, there's going to be a tipping point. There's going to be a breaking point, or there's going to be a point where you're just getting, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, uh, it's, it's basically like, you're not getting the returns that you're looking for. I'm sure someone's thinking of it and (laughs) you're like screaming at the podcast right now, but there's, oh my gosh, it's slipping my mind. But basically there's just going to be a point where more riding isn't really going to help as much as adding strength training will. And especially for long-term health. Um, (laughs) yeah, you guys just riding more does not solve stuff. Like when you say like trail building too, don't get me wrong. Does it work different muscle groups? Yeah. But again, most people just going out and trail building get so beat up and they get so like stiff and these crazy like knots in their neck and their arms get all messed up. Uh, this person sounds to me like they just haven't dealt with much of that. I'm going to be honest. Um, okay. And it sounds like kind of an excuse. I'll just throw that out there. Uh, tire inserts overrated. I've never ran tire inserts. Um, I think if you race downhill, it's probably a little bit more necessary, but man, the tires are so good now. Like, um, I, I, you know, if you're riding crazy, like Enduro World Series, super fast stuff like that, you know, that's, that's not really a place I've been. Um, even, well, I don't know. I, I, I have had moments where I've, you know, ridden under those conditions and at that speed for moments, you know? So it's like hard for me to say, I just haven't ridden them, but I do think that they're kind of overrated in general. Um, creatine, underrated, dude. So underrated. We talked about creatine in the past. Yes, creatine's a no-brainer. Start just taking three grams a day. Uh, if you are a large male, you could take five grams a day to start. But if you want to be conservative and you're concerned about retaining water, just take three grams a day. It's going to help your lifting. In return, it's going to help your cycling. Even if it didn't help you with your physical performance, what it does for your cognitive benefits is, is, is worth taking. It's so cheap. It's so studied start taking some creatine. Just make sure it's creatine monohydrate powder, single ingredient, no other additives. Okay, next question. Full body split lifts three days a week. Now, for cycling, that's overrated. And the reason that is, is because a full body split, when you do three sessions a week, is basically like, let's just say you have a push and pull day, um, or excuse me, you have like like a push day, so this would be upper body, you know, bench press, shoulder press, and then like tricep push down. 
and then you have a pull day. So upper body now it's like back, biceps. So like uh, pull up, um, any pulling motion, and then you have you know curling motion, and then you have like a leg day. Uh, the problem, even though that's a really good split, like if you're just in the general fitness space, if you're someone who just rides once a week, a three-day split is great. I, I think that's honestly probably what I would do because it means that you would train legs a couple times a week, and I love training legs. The problem is if you ride a lot, you don't want to train legs like that. You you really don't. You have to train your legs twice a week, but you can't do it with that volume. Like when you have a whole single workout dedicated to lifting your legs you can kiss your next few rides goodbye. And it's going to be an endless cycle of just being forever sore and not performing on your rides because it's intuitive to think, oh, if I want stronger legs, I just need to train my legs more. But the truth is, you guys, you just can't smash your legs on your bike, the next day smash your legs in the gym, and then repeat the process. Like you, if you're only doing leg workouts too, you're, you're building like this. It's the cannon on a canoe uh, image where you have all this power that you're going to be firing with nothing to really stabilize and support it, aka the rest of your body that's really trying to work together to deliver that power into your bike under control so you don't crash. And so even if that were the case where you could recover fast enough, you're taking some sick, you know, uh, PEDs and you're just, you know, you're crushing all these workouts. The can Think about the cannon on the canoe thing. You need to have that base of support with the rest of your body. And uh, it, it even it's not the strength thing, you can have the back pain come up because your legs are so strong, but your back can't support it. And your muscles in your back are working overtime because your core is not fired. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, train your legs twice a week. Just make sure the volume is low enough to not affect your riding and you'll get them activated. You'll have the well-rounded balance of the training program, support your riding, uh, AKA Dodd Health programs. Okay, <laughs> foam rolling is the next one. Foam rolling is underrated. I think, I was asked this actually on the Successful Athletes podcast, I think that foam rolling is one of the biggest advantages that, that I have in my own personal training that's really helped me just get faster as a cyclist because I'm on it every single day and I can't imagine not being. Seriously, it makes me feel so much better. And even, I'm not even gonna say like that there's no chance that it helps me recover because it 100% does. It takes the achiness away from my legs, uh, if not long-term. Like, it has to be really sore for me to not have the long-term effect uh, and have it only be temporary. Most of the time, if I have any, like, leg ache and I foam roll and I go slow and I move over the parts that it feel achy, I, the ache goes away. <laughs> like, it feels so much better. My legs relax. I feel more comfortable. For me, I tend to get overactive IT bands. So all the lateral side of my leg, the outside, tends to get a little overused and tight. And if I don't foam roll... A lot of it leads to IT band symptoms. So there's so many great reasons to do it. Not, and then also my back. There's stretches you can do to help stretch your low back. You can stretch your upper body. You can dig into your lat and your chest and your triceps and all these things that, again, you use on the bike that tend to get really sore. Your neck, like your upper traps in your back, like all that stuff that tends to get so stiff you can nail with the foam roller. So I just can't imagine not using it daily. And I would really encourage everyone to do that. In fact, if you don't know where to start, on my website, dialedhealth.com, you have the guided foam rolling sessions that you could try, and I go over your whole body. And what I tell people is do it once a week, and you'll learn it, and then you can spend more time on the spots that you, know, you need. You know, turn the volume off. You don't need to hear me talking the whole time after the, your fifth time through it and just use it for reference. Let the video play and then you know, okay, I'm sitting down for 30 minutes and I'm gonna nail my whole body. Um, so yeah, use a foam roller, you guys. 
Uh, intermittent fasting. I think it's overrated, at least for weight loss. Don't feel like you need to intermittent fast for weight loss. Again, this goes back to like the carb, or excuse me, not the carb, but the uh, fasted sessions. It's unnecessary, but the reason intermittent fasting is kind of a cool thing is because it's so convenient. You know, you're just cooking and preparing less meals. I think there's a lot of attraction to that for people. And you are most likely not going to overeat, excuse me, there's a less, <laughs> there's a smaller chance you're going to overeat because your eating window is cut down. So basically like intermittent fasting for most people means they don't eat for 16 hours of the day and bring their eating window down to eight hours per day. So it, for a lot of people, it ends up being like two big meals and you can absolutely overeat <laughs> in two big meals. I know I could, but it does, it, it means it's probably a less of a probability also for a lot of people. And I think this is the biggest one. It cuts out late night eating. If you really have that firm line, like I'm not going to eat after 8 PM or I'm going to eat between, you know, 11 and seven, which is like a very normal split or like one to nine, even then, you know, for a lot of people not eating after 9 PM could be the difference between saving 500 calories or a thousand calories because of that late night craving. Like most people struggle with that, myself included. So I think there are benefits there. There are proven cancer fighting benefits from intermittent fasting, cellular regeneration, all this stuff that, you know, you just give your, you give your body a chance to really rest, like your organs, your intestines, all that stuff. So that, that's a cool thing. Uh, but for weight loss specifically overrated. Now we're going to go through these next ones quick. Road riding for MTV performance, so underrated. Oh my gosh. Enduro riders especially, please get out on the road bike. Learn what it means to build a proper base. Uh, XC racers are already doing it. Downhill racers, I don't think you need it, but I think it would help a lot of people um, if they are struggling with their general fitness just to build that base up. Uh, but enduro guys, I think you're the biggest ones that sh would really benefit from adding in some simple base training. And, and remember, base training doesn't have to be like three hours. It could be you just pedaling for one hour at a low intensity zone, which is not something you normally do uninterrupted. That's like the real key in my opinion is like uninterrupted pedaling for that amount of time because you just, when do you do that on a trail ride? Like you'll be out riding for that long, but you take a break, you stand uh, for a long time, you go down a descent, uh, you, you know, even if you take five minutes and keep pedaling on a climb, like you just want that uninterrupted low intensity pedaling. It helps so much. Uh, pickle juice for cramps, <laughs> overrated. This is so disgusting. You guys, pickles are one of the only foods I, I hate. I have like three foods. Uh, let me say, so raw, big chunks of raw onion. Don't like it. I'm not really a fan of olives. I will eat them, but I don't really like them. I hate pickles. Oh my gosh. And there's other foods that just don't look appealing, but like, you know, like really weird stuff, but pickles, Come on, guys. And by the way, I've heard you can get better results from mustard, which I love mustard. I would do that before pickle juice. But you know what? I would rather have some salty lemonade. That sounds a whole lot better for cramps. <laughs> um, ice bath, cold plunge. I think that they're, ooh, it's kind of underrated and overrated. It's interesting because I really love hot water. I like cold water on a hot day. It can be really refreshing post-ride to kind of wake you up. It's very invigorating. Um, but yeah, I mean, doing a cold plunge every day, I'm not going to say it doesn't work. Um, I've never felt crazy benefits besides the just general invigorating feeling, uh, that you get from it. But also what I've heard with it is like purposely doing something that makes you uncomfortable every single day. Now, right now I have three kids under 2 PM or 2 PM. <laughs> Whoa. I have three kids under two years old. So I already do a lot of things that... <laughs> 
<laughs> are very uh, challenging each day that build this like discipline that takes me to another level. I don't feel like implementing something else, like like a cold plunge, you know, but more power to you if you want to. Um, but I think regardless, like experimenting with hot and cold therapy is really cool. I know, I think if you are going back and forth from hot to cold, there's some real benefits there. Like it just kind of obvious your blood is going to be pumping in and out of your core to kind of either protect your internal organs or, you know, cool them off. So, um, the blood flow aspect of it is, is it's pretty real. Uh, work and workout balance. This is the last one you guys. Yeah. I mean, I think that's underrated. There's, there's so much more to life than training, uh, but it also doesn't mean it's, there's an excuse. So yeah, work and work-life balance, make sure that you're doing it all. But I would say within that, and this is something else I want to talk about in the future. Sorry, I feel like this podcast has almost gotten too casual, but <laughs> what I, w- I want to say, like one of my biggest pieces of advice is to really just cut down the things that you do so that you can do all the things that you need to, to really like line up with your goals well. Um, and I think there's a, there's a lot to that. So like, even for myself, I don't do a lot of different things, but everything I do supports the end goal. And that's, what's nice on days where I don't feel as productive because even then I'm like, everything I did still leads up to my ultimate goal, which is good. Um, so that's pretty much it guys. Overrated, underrated. I hope you enjoyed it. That was fun. It was casual. It was random. And, um, yeah, let's get into longevity and cycling. We're now talking about longevity and cycling, and then we're going to go straight into an update because really what I want to say in regards to the longevity isn't crazy in depth, but I want to encourage everyone listening to ride multiple disciplines. That is something that has absolutely like changed my whole perspective of riding and made me feel like I can do it forever, honestly, because let me give you an example. This weekend, I chose to, on my Saturday, I literally had until 1230 and the, like, I had the whole day up until 1230 to do whatever I wanted in regards to riding. I had that figured out on my schedule. Kids were situated. My first choice was to go for a road ride, which I would have never done a few years back. But I got to go ride a loop I've been wanting to since I literally started riding. And it's kind of like a legendary loop in our area called Iowa Hill. It's just this super gnarly climb, really remote roads, beautiful canyons that you really don't get to unless you do that specific ride. There's like a basically a 20-mile descent at the end of it. I kid you not. You do, I'm going to get into the ride profile here, but you basically climb 5,000 feet, over 5,000 feet in the first 30 miles, and you just climbing, 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 climbing. And then you end up doing this huge gradual descent. It was so much fun. And I had an absolute blast. And yes, I was on my new tarmac, which by the way, the setup I did to it was incredible. I threw the 28 tires on it, which made the handling just exactly the way I wanted to feel, drop the bars, the new bar tape on it, it, it feels so good. It's like firm and grippy. Um, and it just did really well when I got sweaty, which I loved. Um, saddle height was perfect. Just got a couple things tweaked. It was rad. So bike was running great. I got to really, really enjoy it. And I, I just chose to go out on this big road ride. And the, the craziest thing is there's days I wake up where all I want to do is mountain bike. I kid you not. There's days where I literally, the thought of going for a road ride does not sound fun. And I just want to ride my mountain bike. And thank God that's an option when I have it. And it's so cool because I, I think the feeling that I get on a really good mountain bike ride is still kind of unbeatable. 
there's just something about about it, man, that is still the best thing ever to me. But I also get a very close, similar feeling on the road bike now. And then what's what's crazy is there's days, and I know this might sound really weird to you guys, but there are days I only want to ride the indoor trainer. And the reason is usually I'm really, really exhausted <laughs> and I'm doing like a base ride on the trainer or there's just like, there's a lot going on. I'm squeezing it into my schedule and it's really the only option. And I'm so grateful that I have it. Uh, and also there's days where I just want to like watch YouTube seriously. And if I didn't get a chance to that day, or I know that's going to be my only opportunity until the kids go down to bed or whatever it is. And there's like, there's just content I want to see or something very specific, a race I want to catch up on race recap. I, I'll just hop on the trainer. And I love that. And, and having those options for me has allowed me to not miss rides. I ride four days a week and some people ride more. You know, my volume's typically seven to 10 hours is like my normal. Uh, but man, it's, it's allowed me to, you know, get really fit and I have all the history in downhill racing. So thankfully I'd honestly, I'm not putting a ton of time into like my technical ability now. Uh, and I made a, a funny kind of comment about it, uh, on my Instagram recently, but when I go out and film content now, because I'm trying to do, I'm usually hitting a jump, doing a wheelie or trying to like drift or a stoppy or whatever it might be. It almost turns into this like skill practice, which is really interesting. It's like, I think in that sense, it's kept me fresh in a way. But really having these options on the rides is like so, it's so cool. And it's so fun to think about, you know, even planning trips or events or, you know, like I have so many, like this big pool of variety to choose from and they all support each other. And that's one of the coolest things too, is because when I go out on a huge road ride, my next mountain bike ride is usually a little bit better because of the fitness I built on it. And usually when I go out on a big road ride after a mountain bike ride, my tech skills are sharper. Like I just feel uh, more comfortable on the bike, my cornering, my handling, whatever it might be. And I can just have a lot of fun on it. So they all really support each other and even the indoor cycling. And it's crazy. I've had, I had someone make a comment and say that they didn't think the carryover of fitness was worth it from an indoor bike. And I think that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard <laughs> because I have built so much fitness on it. And, and also you, yeah, you just enjoy these things for different reasons. It puts you in different circles and different friend groups. And what's one thing I've noticed is a lot of my road friends, if they mountain bike, they ride cross country and they're not riding like as aggressive downhills. So that's been one weird thing for me, uh, at least in regards to the people I'm around, because like sometimes that feels a little bit separate, like more separate than I want it to be. Uh, but anyways, that's just the way I like to ride at this point. I think in the future, I'd like to do more cross country stuff, but, uh, I just haven't, you know, had the equipment, haven't had the time to really like step into something new like that. But it's so cool to know that that option's out there. There's still gravel riding out there. There's all these other things I still haven't experienced and I'm excited for that. So I would encourage you guys ride different disciplines. I know you're going to have people, these like enduro bros, for example, and I'll pick on them for a second. Cause I've been one in the past who think just road riding is lame and don't do it. And like that whole thing's not cool. And like vice versa, you'll get these roadies who think they'll see like a guy wearing a flannel, you know, like doing North star bike laps and just think it's a joke where like, to me, I, I totally get both sides of it. Not, not that either one's a joke, but they're both rad, honestly. Um, yeah. And I feel like I'm being, you know, like so neutral about a lot of this stuff, but it's the truth, man. It's just how I feel like they're all so sick. And I wish people were more open to that, that, that fact that, you know, bikes are just really cool. And, um, all the different sports are just like, I love road riding out of this like necessity, or excuse me, I started out of a necessity and it grew into a love. Um, 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's really why. There's, there's reasons people are drawn to it. So anyways, explore new disciplines. Don't let people limit you or box you in and typecast you as a certain type of writer because you can be whatever you want to be. And I, I really encourage you to explore whatever your interest is because you going after that is going to pull the best version of your writing self out of you. Now, that felt good to say. That felt like a nice little pump-up motivation. My allergies are really starting to kick in right now if I'm a little bit nasally. But we're going to talk about Remy's surgery. So he had his hernia surgery, and I just want to say he's doing really good. Um, I had some people actually text me really concerned about him. Shout out to you, Suzanne. Thank you for doing that. And yeah, like, dude, it's crazy because I wouldn't say he's less fussy, but he looks way more relaxed. You know, Remy was a small baby. He was born at four pounds, got under four pounds for a while. It was like three pounds something. And just typically smaller babies tend to be a little fussier. They don't eat as much. Uh, they just cry a little bit more. And he definitely has. But now, like, between that, he just looks more relaxed. Like, he's been smiling so much, which is crazy, because Cruz has been smiling first. And it wasn't until the surgery happened where I think he just literally is way more comfortable. And when he's chilling, he's he just looks relaxed. His eyes open up more. He smiles. It's really, really cool to see. So he's doing great. And also, I'll be honest, like, it's crazy, but even around him having surgery, at that time, I almost felt negative. Like, man, like, poor me. My son has to have hernia surgery, this and that. And it's crazy, but <laughs> I am so grateful that he was able to get fixed. I can't believe I even thought that way. Like, I'm just so grateful he was able to have this surgery. And there's the technology to do it and these gifted people with the with the knowledge to do it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's turned into a really, really gracious thing. So I'm excited about that, man. He's doing good. Cruz is doing good. Their health is on point. So yeah, very, very stoked. Uh, now I got to talk about the races I signed up for TDS Enduro announced that a while ago, but that's happening in June. I think the first week of June. so that is going to be a really sick multiple day event. I'm so stoked. Um, I want to talk about race expectations pretty soon because that is something that's kind of been triggered in me <laughs> since signing up for these races maybe we'll bring it up on the next episode um, i'm gonna make a note here for race expectations i'm literally gonna type it right now um just so i don't forget because it's funny i think when you're a racer who stops racing but then signs up for a race you get emotionally like weird and i have at least so we'll talk about that but one thing I just signed up for too was the Calenduro at Mammoth Bar in Auburn. I was actually able to get a transfer spot. I jumped on it right away when I heard it was announced because I'm like, dude, it's a no-brainer. It's in my backyard. I ride these trails anyways. I ride them hard, and I want to go out there and be with everybody. So that's going to be really cool. Um, Calenduro, Mammoth Bar, that's happening at the end of July. I think literally the last day of July, like July 31st. Now, other than that, dude, I'm starting a vlog. I've been wanting to do it forever. Like literally two years, I'll put out, I put out a vlog like every six months and it's because I don't know how to edit video like that, that stopped me. And I just, I'll be honest, I don't have time to learn. I'm not going to make time to learn. It doesn't surpass like the other priorities that I have currently, but thankfully I know this guy named Brady Nations and he's been doing so much content for me and he's the absolute man. He's going to edit it for me. So, uh, that is going to be really cool and sh that should be up very soon for you guys. Last thing, the real X Games MTV is the craziest thing I've ever seen. If you guys watch these video submissions, so go to YouTube, just type in X Games Real MTV, and you'll see I think there's like seven entries. 
literally my jaw was dropped for every single one, but there was one in particular. <laughs> it's Braze, Brage Vestenberg or whatever. I don't know how to say his name. He's got a super uh, popular Instagram profile, but, <laughs> and he posts really sick clips. I personally haven't really liked some of his edits in the past, just like the style of them. But dude, I kid you not, this one, it was not only so creative, but it was so freaking gnarly. Like all things, the conditions it was in, the features he built. There's this drop at the end that is so massive. And the, the, a couple of it, uh, like tricks he does that you are really unexpected, I've never really seen before. Dude, I was blown away. I've watched it a couple times already. I can't freaking believe it. And all of them, I mean, Brandon Simnex is insane. Cam Zinks is insane. They're all freaking insane. But for, for whatever reason, like that Brage dudes freaking edit, like really just like, that was the one I think that was the most special to me. It was nuts. I recommend you guys going to watch it. Even if you don't, aren't into MTV stuff, it's just extreme. It's just like action sports, man. It's it's really sick. And to see that in the X Games is, is incredible. So um, that's it, you guys. That is all the updates I want to tell you about. Thank you for making it this far in the podcast. I really appreciate it. Let's go to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Strength Training for Cyclists podcast. I really hope it adds some value to your week. If you have a question you'd like me to answer for the podcast, because we typically do some member questions on here, you can send it to me, Derek at dialedhealth.com or at my Instagram account at dialedhealth. Shoot me a DM and I'd love to answer it in depth for you on the episode. Also, if you could share that you're listening to the episode on your Instagram, that would be super helpful just to help the exposure, get this marketing rolling nice and organically. Post a screenshot on your story and make sure that you tag me at Dialed Health so that I can repost it. And that's it, you guys. I hope you have an incredible week. I hope you are getting after it. And I hope you're planning on what you're going to do for the hashtag DHVertChallenge. Please go over to my Instagram if you haven't done it already. Leave a comment that you're stoked about it. Like the post and maybe share it with someone who you want it to do it with you. Because I think it's going to be a really, really good way to get all the Dialed fam connected uh, and, and really just pushing each other. So that's it, guys. Start moving forward. I'll see you next Wednesday.